real excited to be able to preach this morning. I always love when I get a text from Aurelia and it says, do you want to preach in a couple of weeks? And I say, yes, I do. Um, so I'm going to talk this morning about Paul and his blessing time. Uh, I love what Joyce said about uh, the, the time and, and the change of the, uh, you know, from the laying of the caterpillar egg to becoming a butterfly and then that cycle restarting. And so as we've been moving through our series about Paul, um, if, if you were at our one-time Paul discussion event a couple months back, or if you've been online with us or in person with us a couple weeks back, you probably know that I have some of my own uh, thoughts and sets of issues with Paul uh, and Paul's teaching and, and things like that. Um, but, but one of the best ways that I heard it described on a podcast several months back, and I, and I went in, uh, my 11th graders who I taught uh, this last year, the epistles, uh, were and are convinced that I hate Paul. And I would always say, I don't hate Paul. And they would say, but, which is absolutely accurate. Uh, but I heard this on a podcast over a weekend and I came in on, on Monday and I wrote it on the board. It says, um, Jesus is God and Paul ain't. Uh, that's my issue. Um, and, and I think what a lot of us maybe in the peace community have observed and experienced in other faith communities is that we'll read Jesus through the lens of Paul and not read Paul through the lens of Jesus. And that's something that has changed in me in the last several years. And so I do feel like that's what we've been doing in the last couple of weeks here is, is reading Paul through the lens of Jesus and making that our priority. And I hope to contribute to that this morning. When Aurelia first asked me if I wanted to preach, uh, I, I, I went up to her in our in-person service several weeks back. Hey, you know, is, is, do you want me to, to just do lectionary? And she said, I can do whatever I want. And that's a very dangerous thing to tell me. Uh, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to craft a really beautiful and wonderful sermon about how Paul was awful in the beginning and how he got a little better over time. And then I felt like that was a little vindictive. And I remembered uh, that, that my pastor in, in Brownwood, uh, who, who really was the person that introduced me to the lectionary as an adult, uh, said that the reason he liked the lectionary is that it forces us to, to use text that we may not want to use maybe texts that we don't like, uh, or texts that we just don't know what to do with. And that's what I experienced here. When I went to the lectionary text, it wasn't something that I disliked or had a problem with. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And so I had to read it and read it again and some more and read some commentary and some online sources. And, and uh, what I was looking for was a through line. What's happening? What's going on? And I, and I found it. Uh, and it was time. Paul is blessing God for time. Now, hold on before you say Paul is blessing God. That doesn't make sense to most of us. Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians opens differently than some of his other letters, right? A lot of times he's, uh, hey, you guys, how's it going? I'm Paul. I'm an apostle for Christ, which we get, right, in verses one or two. And then he either launches into, in case you don't know who I am, I used to kill you guys all the time, but I don't kill you anymore because I'm one of you now. Or he just jumps in and he's like, y'all are insane and you're going to stop doing these things. And I'm going to spend the next part of this letter lining all of that out. He doesn't do that here. He, he starts with a blessing, uh, but he's not blessing. He's not giving a blessing to the Ephesians. He's blessing God. And if that feels weird to you, it felt weird to me, too. So I looked it up on jufac.org. OK, that's just what I found. I Googled it. Uh, I Googled this word, barakah. Uh, which is that the which is the, this Hebrew word for blessing um, that, that's going on here? 
so don't let ministers and pastors fool you. We just Google stuff when we don't know what it is. Um, and so here's what it had to say. It said, many English-speaking people find the idea of the uh, barakah very confusing. And I'm butchering that word, by the way. Uh, to them, the word blessing, to us, uh, the word blessing seems to imply that the person saying the blessing is conferring some benefit on the person he's speaking to. For example, in the Catholic tradition, a person making a confession begins by asking the priest to bless them. Yet in a barakah, the person saying the blessing is speaking to God. How can the creation confer a benefit upon the creator? This confusion largely stems from the difficulties in the translation, as do many things we deal with. Uh, the Hebrew word uh, baruka uh, is, is not a verb describing what we do to God. It's an adjective describing God as the source of all blessings. When we recite a barakah, we are not blessing God. We are expressing wonder at how blessed God is. Paul is expressing, expressing wonder for the blessing of time here. That's what's happening. So I found that through line here in, in this uh, first verse where he's, he's blessing God for um, what's happened before the foundation of the world, before time existed in our conception. Uh, he's blessing God for the person and model of Jesus. And he's blessing God for the work being done to bring the world back to oneness with the divine. So that's, that's where we're looking at time and the way Paul is blessing God for that. So what I want to do is, as we examine time and, and come back around is, um, believe it or not, talk about some TV shows. Um, and again, if, if you know me even a little bit, you know that I watch far more TV than the average person. Um, and I'm okay with that. I've just accepted that that's part of who I am. Um, and so not just really kind of sprinkling it in. That's really what the whole sermon is based around. So buckle up. Um, we're going to get back around to, to what Paul is saying. I do want to say this. I'm talking about uh, the shows The Good Place and Ted Lasso because there's just no way that I'm going to do a sermon right now and not talk about Ted Lasso. Um, and then I'm going to talk about uh, Bo Burnham's Inside, uh, which is his current special on Netflix. And so if those are things that you haven't watched or are watching or planning to watch uh, and, and you don't want spoilers, you can mute me when I get to that part and then I'll give you a thumbs up when I'm done. I'm, I'm fine with that. I get it. So this, this first thing that I want to talk about uh, is that time is ineffable. We don't get it. Uh, and part of that is because it doesn't really exist. And Hillary hates when I say that things are construct, uh, constructs, but they just are. Everything's a construct. Nothing exists. We make it all up. And that's fine. Uh, and so one of the best TV shows that I've watched in the last five or six years is The Good Place. And now I have this problem where I can't just watch a show. I will watch it over and over again. Uh, when I was younger, my older sister thought that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a real hottie. So she would uh, record on VHS episodes of Home Improvement. And then I would just watch that VHS over and over and over again uh, to the point where twice she and my brother threw it away in the big dumpster outside and I went and got it. Uh, so. When, we, when Hillary and I finished The Good Place, kind of in the middle of quarantine, I then bought it on iTunes and watched it four or five times. I do not have the ability to just watch a show once. If you've watched The Good Place, you know that we're dealing with a lot of moral philosophy in that show, how that uh, should impact our lives, and then in the concept of this show, what that means for the afterlife, 
uh, and then what that even is. So what happens is that uh, our besties die and they go to the afterlife and they are in the good place, except then they find out they're really in the bad place and they get rebooted um, 800 some odd times over the course of about 300 years. Now, at one point, they get placed back into, you know, our timeline uh, to see if because of what they've learned, they can then live out better lives, that they can become better people. Uh, when, when they're confronted with this by our sweet uh, fire squid demon, Michael, uh, they, they, they're like, hey, if, if we were rebooted 800 times, how long was that? He's like, it was like 300 years. And they're like, then how did we get put back into the timeline where we were? And so Michael explains to them about the timeline in the afterlife, which, which they call Jeremy Baramy. And I'm going to show it to you here real quick. Um, and so you can see it. Uh, and I want to share that. There you go. So this is uh, what is, is, again, in the concept of this show, the, the timeline of the afterlife. Um, so you can see that, that graphic there. Um, and it's probably my favorite fictional conception of time that I think could actually be the way that time probably works. Uh, and it, it cracks me up, particularly when Chidi, who is really our moral center of the show, asks uh, Michael what the little dot over the eye is. And Michael and Janet say, oh, that's Tuesdays and also July and sometimes never. And then Chidi has this breakdown uh, and it's just delightful. And so, so while in the universe of, of the good place, this is how the timeline in the afterlife works, I can't help but feel like this is really how God, the divine, experiences time. That everything has happened intertwined and that we cannot understand that. So what the good place has taught me is that time is not understandable. It is ineffable. I, I'm not going to grasp the way that it actually works outside of, you know, our calendar and our tracking of time and things like that. The other thing that time allows us to do is, is to examine the trajectory of our own selves. And so, uh, again, is, in keeping with the idea that I'm not able to watch a show once a couple weeks ago, uh, my sister-in-law, Hillary's sister, was in town visiting us and uh, she asked us if we had watched Ted Lasso. And I said, no, we haven't. And uh, so over the course of two nights, one night we watched episodes one through five, and the next night we watched episodes six through 10 because we were just that engaged with it. It is so good. If you have not watched Ted Lasso, you should either buy a new Apple device so you get a year of Apple TV Plus for free or do the seven day free trial, whichever one of those things makes more sense for you. Um, and you can watch Ted Lasso in seven days, I promise you. So Ted Lasso stars Jason Sudeikis. And again, if you're like, hey, no spoilers, you should mute me right now. Ted Lasso stars Jason Sudeikis playing this D2 college football coach who is then hired to go teach foot or not teach, coach a football team in England, you know, like what we call soccer. And he, has, he has, doesn't know anything about soccer, has never played it, has never watched it, does not know anything. And so, uh, you know, fun ensues. It's great. Now, what we find out is that one of the reasons he took this job is that he's, he's having some troubles in his marriage and he's trying to give his wife some space. So in episode five, she comes to visit 
And he really realizes that his marriage is over, that this giving space, the working on it is not going to do anything. It's not going to change anything. And he still has to go coach this crucial game. They haven't won a game yet. Uh, and in the middle of this game, he benches his star player, uh, who is a deal hole. Um, and so once they get into the locker room, they, they are doing poorly. He's benched this star player. Uh, people are not happy with him. He's realized, man, my, my wife being here is not helping. Our, our marriage is over. We don't get in this locker room, middle of the game scene, what we're probably used to in a scenario like this, in a movie, in a TV show, you know, the loud, rousing, we can do this, we can beat them, everything's great. Uh, what we get is that Ted, Ted talks, that's pretty good. Ted speaks really calmly about change. So this is what he says. He says, we need change. We need to change. And look, I know change can be scary. One minute you're playing freeze tag out there at recess with all your buddies. Next thing you know, you're getting ditched, your voice gets low, and every time your art teacher, Mrs. Scanlon, leans over your desk to check and see how your project's going, you feel all squiggly inside. She was a striking woman, not classically beautiful, but striking. First time I ever saw tan lines. Most of the time, change is a good thing. Now I think that's what it's all about, embracing change. Ted is describing some feelings that we've all been through, not puberty, um, but this idea that, you know, he says one moment you're, you're out playing with your friends and the next you're having these feelings that you don't understand. But if you go back and track it, you go, oh, this happened and this happened and that's how I got to this place. He's, he's saying that change can seem sudden, but when we look back, we can actually track the trajectory of what brought that change on. And finally, um, Bo Burnham. Is a, he's a kind of a musical comedian. Uh, if, I'm not a big Bo Burnham fan, I'll, I'll say that. But I really wanted to, to watch this new special inside because what happened is that uh, he, he took a break for about five years and uh, because he had some, uh, he was having some mental health issues. People online are not kind. And so uh, he was dealing with a lot of that. And uh, late 2019, early 2020, he was like, you know what? I'm ready to get back into it. I want to do another tour. It's going to be great. And then, you know, COVID-19. And so what he did is that he writes, films, directs, and edits this comedy special in his tiny one-bedroom apartment over the entire course of quarantine. And I think that's why I identified with it. And I think, uh, listen, I'll give you my Netflix login if you want to watch this. It's great. Um, I think it's why you might identify with it, because the feelings that he's talking about, the emotions he's dealing with, were pretty common to a lot of us throughout quarantine. What's great about watching the progression of time through this, though, is, is not only watching his physical appearance, we see his hair get longer, we see his beard get longer, we see him lose some weight, and we see some physical change in Bo's body, but we see uh, what really appears to be the deterioration of his mental health, which again was a reality for a lot of us throughout the, the quarantine and, and throughout this pandemic. I told Hillary that if that part is an affectation uh, on his part, it's a damn good one. I mean, as somebody who, who deals with uh, some pretty severe uh, mental health, and, and I don't love the word issues, but we'll call it that because that's kind of the, the colloquial there. Uh, when I'm not, uh, you know, on some medication and in therapy, uh, I thought that's, that's what happens. That's how it feels. That's what's going on. And so I resonated deeply with 
what a lot of us I know were experiencing watching it happen right in front of us. And time can take its toll on us. It will change us. It's not if time changes us, it's when it will. So many of us in the Peace of Christ community have experienced life change that brought us to this community. We can look at pictures of ourselves from periods past and, and point out some of the physical differences that we experience. And we can describe times when we've been doing really well emotionally and mentally and spiritually and, and times where we have not been. And we know that time can change us. And sometimes it's quick and sometimes it's this drawn out process. So in this idea and these ideas that, that time is ineffable and it lets us track our trajectory and that it changes us, um, if we're, you're wondering what any of that has to do with uh, Paul's blessing here in the beginning of Ephesians, is that um, some of the things that it's important for us to understand about Paul and some of the other New Testament writers is that they would not have considered themselves to be writing scripture, sacred text that we're going to be using for a couple thousand years. And part of that, well, they, they were sharing just communications for what they believed to be important ways for the, the, the new church to live out the model that Jesus gave them. But part of that is because uh, we can look at some interpretation now that probably says they thought Jesus was coming back then in their, in their day, in their time. And so they wouldn't have thought that the letters and, and ideas they were writing were going to be used, you know, in perpetuity. There, uh, we're not going to get into all that, but in the beginning of this passage of this blessing, Paul is talking about God choosing humanity before the foundation of the world, before time began. And, and I would ask myself the question about like, what was before time? Was there time before time? I don't know. I don't understand it because like I said, time is ineffable. We don't get it. What I know is that in this blessing Paul is giving here, he wants us to know that at the beginning of time or before time existed, that there just was God and that God chose humanity as something good and worthy of the incarnation of Jesus who would come. And we know that because God can't participate in something that's not good. So God says humanity is good before there ever is humanity. In some conception of time, God has always been here and will always be here experiencing all the things all the time. And that's a God I don't understand. It's a conception of time I don't understand, but Paul wants us to be comfortable with that, to be thankful for that. And in the spirit of reading Paul through the lens of Jesus, the kingdom of God, as we like to call it here at peace, is, is here and now, and it will be forever. There is no end to it. And while we tend to understand that as having come with Jesus to us, if we were to look at time as happening through some kind of Jeremy Baramy, then I would say, when did that start and will it ever end? If that kingdom is here and now, how are we participating in it? Are we blessing others in the way we inhabit the world around us because of the work the kingdom has done in our own lives? Paul knew that time was ineffable and that we shouldn't waste it. Paul addresses that through the work and life of Jesus, which culminates in the, in the crucifixion, we have changed, we are being changed, and we will be changed. We can track that trajectory and who we are now. And when we've taken that idea of living the Jesus model seriously, 
We can point to the immediate changes maybe that happened in some of our lives when, when we make that choice uh, that we've experienced, and we can see how it has shaped us over time. We're not just bystanders, bystanders in the kingdom. We're participants because Jesus invites us over and over to live in a particular way that quite frankly made no sense at the time he made the invitation. It continues to mark us a bit as oddballs when we take that model for living seriously. Living the Jesus model will allow us to be changing forever. And what a blessing that opportunity is. Paul knew that we should be tracking the trajectory of our own selves as people following Jesus. And if change people taking Jesus seriously, many of us have rejected things like condemnation of differing sexuality and gender. We've rejected strict and unchanging interpretations of the revelation of God to people, the Bible, in favor of the Jesus model of loving people. As changed people taking Jesus seriously through time, many of us have chosen to come along beside the oppressed and reject the empires of nations and corporations. Many of us have allowed ourselves to be open to other expressions of spirituality that bring a fullness to our lives we never could have imagined. And Paul knew that time and the experience we, we have over time would change us. Paul's blessing God for time. He couldn't have known how human consciousness would evolve in the next 2,000 years, but he knew that we don't understand time and what a gift it is, that we can be thankful for the work left to us by Jesus to be part of bringing all of the created order back to oneness and wholeness with the divine. I don't know about you, but I don't have enough time to do all that that entails, but I know I have some time while I'm here. This week, I spent some of that time working on myself, um, taking up bike riding for my physical health, uh, starting to do some inner child work, making time to play tennis with Riker so that we feel connected, practicing gymnastics with Harper for the same reason, and when she'll allow it, doing some cuddles with Carly. I make time to read some fiction, which is something that I, that I love to do, but haven't always made good time to do. I try to use my time online, like I said, I'm, I'm very online, uh, to bolster the work of others and make sure that the people who interact with me, who wouldn't necessarily see or participate in some of the conversations that I do have that opportunity. So there's a lot that I don't like about Paul. There's a lot that I have trouble with that Paul says and teaches throughout the record of what we have. You may feel the same way, but he's helped me understand time and I bless God for that.